You are now listening to the Oliver Manley Show. For years, I've contemplated how to synthesize the work I do with my coaching clients into a more bite-sized format that still delivers the growth and transformation I know is possible for each one of us. Thus, I created a 10-step process and teach it over a weekend workshop called Reinvention Roadmap. If you're interested in knowing more about yourself and creating a life that's in harmony with who you truly are, check out reinventionroadmap.ca for dates, tickets, and information, and be sure to use the code word BREAKTHROUGH to save 20% off admission. That's reinventionroadmap.ca, code word BREAKTHROUGH. This episode is brought to you by Oliver's Picks. This is my monthly newsletter where I share the top five most inspiring and impactful books, videos, movies, articles I've discovered, and drop them straight into your inbox. Want to start your month off with a boost of inspiration? Sign up for Oliver's Picks at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Oliver Manalise Show. If this is your first time tuning in, this is where we get to explore what is possible for us as human beings as we dive into the breakdown and breakthrough stories of inspirational people. We like to get raw, real, and vulnerable so that we can dig out the powerful insights that can make a profound impact on our lives. As always, you can subscribe to the show and find the full show notes at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Here, you'll find links to books, resources, videos, and people mentioned from each episode so you can apply what you learn from each episode. Quick announcement before we get into today's guest, and that is Reinvention Roadmap. This is a two-day workshop I'm hosting October 13th and 14th in Oakville, Ontario. If you're interested in a deep transformational experience, go to reinventionroadmap.ca and use the code word BREAKTHROUGH to save yourself 20% off. Today, I'm excited to share with you my interview with Kevin Dabrowski. He's the author of his latest book, Unlock Your Next Level. He's an entrepreneur, a certified high-performance coach, and I won't go into too much detail as I I do share his bio in the interview. In our conversation together, he shares about how a poetry workshop altered the course of his life, why you should become whale vomit, what it means to be an upset neophyte looker and oafish killer and so much more. My friends, this man has inspired me to get started on my first book, make pasta from scratch, and really up my game when it comes to my coaching practice. Just in the last couple of weeks, he's played a huge role in my life, inspiring me, catalyzing me, and helping me move my business forward. I know this interview will be of incredible value for you on the first listen, but if you're like me, you'll probably want to hear this way more than just once. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to present to you my conversation with Kevin Dabrowski. I am here with the one and only Kevin Dabrowski. He's an international author, speaker, growth consultant, and coach retained by over 200 companies since 2007 to reimagine what was possible for their products and brands. Since 2017, Kevin began his professional journey as a certified high-performance coach, empowering highly driven entrepreneurs with the world's most rigorously tested and validated program for high performance directly from the High Performance Institute. Kevin now focuses on helping people reimagine what's possible for them. He's the author of Whale Vomit, and he is also the author of the upcoming book, Unlock Your Next Level. You got to go close on that one. For the video people, we'll put it up close. <laughs> it's a rocking book. Welcome to the Thank show, you. Kevin. Thank you. 
Well, Good I appreciate you having me having uh, me here and doing this live in person for some people who, who don't realize we're going to be making some pasta afterwards. Yes, we are. It's going to be amazing. From scratch, by the way, which is uh, the noodles and the sauce from scratch. Well, I, and I noticed that. So the first time I met you, mm-hmm. I just remember you being super passionate about like the food at this barbecue that we were attending like you were taking care of it you were making sure everything was perfect everything was good like and you were and and you were asking me a ton of questions about me and my coaching practice and i'm like this guy is really like inquisitive very Mm. curious and very warm and very very inviting but also like like you're 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 being of service you're fine making sure there's food in people's in people's (laughs) hands right and and people are enjoying themselves so that's like that's kind of like the first uh, interaction that I had with you. Oh, good. Yeah. Food is love, as my friend likes to say. Yeah. I Although agree. I will admit that day I burned a lot of food. <laughs> I got distracted by the interaction. So sorry, Lara. I burned your food for your guests, but overall it was good. Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you having like having uh, this opportunity to be in a conversation yeah. with you. And there's a lot for us to talk about. And you have like a really, really interesting path yeah. that has brought to brought you to where you are. But I would love for people to get a picture of what a day or week in your life looks like. Like paint us a picture of what your life looks like for some of the people who are trying to imagine what else is possible in terms of a life, in terms of profession, in terms of lifestyle. Hmm. Okay, well, today I won't, I won't even, uh, yeah, I'll just tell you exactly what I did today. So today I woke up around uh, 7.15, and um, at 8 a.m. I had a client session with uh, a gentleman who's uh, running an engineering firm. He's got 25 people that work on his team, and I invite him to come here on uh, the roof of my condo. There's a really beautiful roof lounge with the best view of the city. Help him get out of his head and just kind of uh, change the frame that he experiences the world through. And we had an amazing 90-minute session together. Um, And then we hugged goodbye. He went um, on to his day. And then I came back to my place. I grabbed my copy of Think and Grow Rich and a pen. And I headed over to Starbucks around the corner and sat there for about two and a half hours. And studied and thought and just kind of absorbed some of that goodness from that 80-year-old book, which is a seminal publication for mindset, right? And then um, came back to the Thompson, or the that's the place where I live, the name of the condo where I live, and uh, chatted with some of the staff and then went up to the pool and hung out at the pool for a few hours. So uh, it's been a beautiful day here in Toronto, mostly. Although I actually, I forgot a step. I actually also walked to Kensington Market, which is here in the city, and I grabbed some fresh tomatoes and basil and other stuff that we're going to make pasta with. So I did that, and then I sat by the pool. And then you messaged me, and we're like, hey, I'm in the lobby. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was at the pool. I didn't realize you were here so fast. And here we are. Yeah. And uh, for people who, you know, for the for context, it's a Wednesday. It's Wednesday, yeah. It's Wednesday, like right in the middle of the week, like hump day. Yes, this is uh, Wednesday. And actually, usually Wednesday, is, I have another appointment, another client session from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m., but he moved it to tomorrow. Mm. So Wednesdays are the only day that are actually, it's the only day that's actually scheduled in terms of hours that I've committed to to be uh, available to a client. Right on. At the moment, yeah. 
I would love for us to kind of go back in time and find out what were some of the defining moments that have led you to where you are right now. Well, 44 years ago, Oliver, I was born. <laughs> the, um, yeah, so this whole pivot into coaching is relatively new for me. One year ago-ish, I got certified as a high-performance coach by the High Performance Institute. Uh, the gentleman who certified me was a guy named Brendan Burchard. Author of the book right behind Author you. Author of this book right behind me. High Performance Maybe Habits. This book. Highly recommend it. So yeah, I mean, on the planet, Tony Tony Robbins is the highest paid high performance coach. Brendan's number two. Um, so Brendan spent the last 20 years or so just kind of deconstructing success and high performance and uh, has created a framework and methodology around how to replicate it for other people. And so I'm certified on that methodology to help other people do that. Um, but two Octobers ago, if you want to talk about really pivotal moment, is that what you're asking? Like, yeah, de- defining moments in your life that have moments. led you. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe two or three. Two or three. That have led you to Yeah, let me are. give you two. Let me give you two big ones. So October 2017, I was um, in Baltimore at a poetry slam workshop. Ever been to one of those? I've been to a poetry slam but not a workshop. But not a workshop. Yeah. So in this workshop, this gentleman, his name was in is in Q. His name is actually Adam Schmalwit Schmalwitz or something. Sorry, Adam. Probably got his, your name wrong. Um, but yeah, his his name is I N Q in Q, and he's amazing at poetry slamming. But he actually puts on these these workshops, and uh, one of my clients at the time invited me to attend this workshop. And he kind of walked us through what it would look like to create your own little bit of poetry. And I had never written poetry before. Have you ever written poetry? Yeah, I've, I've been a songwriter, like writing poetry, writing songs. I apologize that I was oblivious to that. <laughs> it's all good. But I've never done that, ever. I've written books and stuff, but never poetry. And he put a five-minute timer on. I was like, okay, I want you to think about the most transformative moment of your life or something highly emotional like high valence and I want you to write about it for five minutes go and I was like crap and uh, at the time I was kind of going through um, the end phases of realizing that it that my marriage was falling apart actually and uh, I wrote a poem about that and I actually include the poem in my book wow yeah and it was amazing what I came up with in five minutes I was like whoa that's pretty crazy the power of that exercise and um i showed in cue as everybody was finishing their poem he was like dude you have to read that on the stage in front of everybody and there was 25 people there mostly strangers and i was like i don't know he's like do it it's amazing uh so i did and i read it once and i just kind of my eyes were downcast and he's like okay do it again but this time i want you to like get off the follow me like get off the stage now now say two sentences to this stranger right here and right in front of you so I said two sentences. He's like, now come over here now. Yell two more at this, this stranger right here. Yell them. Like with all your heart. And I was like, eh, okay. But it just kind of cemented these sentiments that I had put down on paper. And uh, the punchline of that poem was that I was tired of 
I was sick of my own nonsense. Wow. And uh, it wasn't long after that that I sat down with my wife and we had the horrible conversation where we realized, okay, like this, this is what's been happening and this is over, you know, like I'm, we cried our faces off and, and uh, a couple months later I was moving out and separating after 17 years together. So it was that Poetry Slam workshop, Yeah. But it's funny. Like, so oh in my, my book, goodness! Yeah. So thank my, you for sharing that. You're welcome. First of all, and I would like, would you be willing to 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 share it? The poem? Yeah, the poem. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll read like, it right read from it? the book. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let me take a little sip of the my tequila Do sparkling it. water. Yeah, so it's on page seven of my book. So here's what I wrote. Actually, it was October. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, you said 2017. Yeah, my apologies. 2016, because I separated a year and a half ago. Wow. Yeah, we separated. Uh, So here's what I wrote. I said, I used to love her. I truly did. The way she looked at me made my life one I dreamed to live. But those days somehow faded and felt lost way in the past. I blamed her for the coldness, but it's my fault. I let it last. The man I saw in the mirror I no longer wanted to see. He had completely changed from who I wanted to be. Resentment is a poison, and I had sucked it deep within. I had given myself reason and grown a thicker skin. But the problem with such thickness is that feeling sometimes dies. So I finally decided no more fears and no more lies. Wow. That's not bad, eh? For five minutes? <laughs> for your for five minutes My for first your first ever. poem? Yeah. So did we, that like did that just change that just changed your world writing that in those five minutes? Well it uh, that's, sounds like it actually did because I was like, Oh, I'm not you know what? I've reached a breaking point. And it just created some visibility around the depth of my pain and around um, how I felt about how I was showing up in the world. So it's funny, on the back of my book, Oliver, it says, when you're ready to fight for your next dream, this book will show you how. And then it says, if you're sick of your own nonsense, open this book and read page one now. Wow. So That, I, that, that directly refers to that's me. Like, the poem, too. That like was, what you were trying to say in the poem. Right. The, the, the nonsense thing. Right. So, I mean, even now, um, I can't help somebody until they're sick of their own nonsense. Wow. Until they reach the point where they're like, you know what? No more. No more. And what was it like during the un- unraveling of it? Because you mm-hmm. had, like, like during that time, you had your marketing agency, you had your your company at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even care about that stuff, to be honest. I mean, we were, we were married for 17 and a half years up until that separation. I actually crunched the numbers. It was 6,361 days. <laughs> which is a lot it's a lot it's yeah. a lot of good nights and good mornings you know that you lie beside this person that you uh, wanted to spend your life with so it was devastating devastating emotionally and psychologically in many other ways was there grief like a grief period yeah I don't cry Oliver but I cried a lot in those two months yeah wow a lot 
Yeah, I remember this one day, just shortly before I moved out, um, I just walked into the kitchen and my wife was cutting. After we had the horrible conversation, we realized it's over. She was cutting vegetables to make some a stir-fry. And tears were streaming down her face as she cut vegetables. And I just sat there and I leaned my head against the kitchen cupboard and I just started to cry looking at her, you know. And I went over and hugged her and we both just cried and cried and cried. <laughs> so grief, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. You know, it's devastating, devastating. So I moved out January 2017. That is the correct month and date, Yeah, a year and a half ago. She actually came here to help me find this place. You know, she helped me find it. Um, and around that time, uh, a friend of mine reached out. Was like, hey, and was like, hey, man, you're going through this horrible thing. You should come to this Brendan Burchard thing in San Diego. And I was like, I don't know. Did you know who he was? I knew who he was. And I I had actually bought one Brendan Burchard book up until that point, The Motivation Manifesto. Yeah, I got, yeah. And I hated it so much. After... <laughs> After 10 pages, sorry, Brendan, but after 10 pages, I actually ripped it in half and threw it in the garbage because I was like, I hate this book. Wow. Like, this book is nonsense. Well, at least it elicited, elicited an emotion. <laughs> <It definitely. laughs> I have a very visceral response to books, though, just so you know. Like, if I love a book, I'll keep it. Let me just, anyway. Yeah, yeah. like, I'll keep it and I'll devour it. For example, this yeah. book, Deep Work by Cal Newport, like you can see. I'm, oh, yeah. I devour it. But if it's not devour-worthy, I will have the opposite He's reaction. Gone. Yeah. I won't even, I won't donate it. I won't give it to somebody. I will rip it destroy apart. It. Destroy it. <laughs> I will destroy it because I'm like, you don't deserve to be in, yeah, in my little world or in the world of anybody I care about. Anyway, so I, I destroyed, love the <laughs> destroyed your book, Brendan. And then, uh, so my friend was like, come to this Brendan thing. And what's cool is that he himself achieved the transformation with Brendan's help about five years before that. And uh, we had met, like we were both speaking at this uh, event in New Orleans like six years before that. And we kept in touch. And he had achieved this transformation. He dropped like 70 pounds. And he reconnected with his two daughters and his wife number two. And he simplified his life and sold his McMansion and... Uh, moved his family and was just so happy and found someone to kind of run his company, which was very successful and is successful still. And he just got into coaching. And he reached out to me. was like, come to this Brendan thing. I was like, I don't know. He's like, listen, it's 2,000 people. It's four days. It's in San Diego. It's 1,000 bucks a ticket. Uh, the VIP tickets are 1,500 bucks. You get to sit in the second row. I'll buy you a VIP ticket. I'll get you a ticket for free if you come to this thing. And he saw that you were, like, in need hurting. of some he support. He saw I was hurting. And... Right. Exactly. And I was like, I just thought, man, that's pretty kind of him. How can I say no to that? So I went. And I thought I was going to be like, kumbaya, you can do it, Oliver. Like, believe in yourself. Yay. Let's You're stronger than you think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was a little bit of that. Like, all that. There's a little Ra-ra. bit of that, which we need. But the other 90% of it was, here's how. Like, here's the methodology, here's the framework, here's the research, here's the empirical approach. And um, I, was, I was shocked at how much girth there was to it. And I came back from it, and I was um, hopeful and optimistic and feeling good, feeling strong. And my clients said to me, Kevin, maybe this is your thing. And um, within a few months, I was getting certified by Brendan. I was... Becoming a coach, 
and I uh, started off-ramping my agency clients, which I've been doing for like eight years. I've been doing agents, like marketing, advertising, branding. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's funny. I used to help people reimagine what was possible for their brands and their products. And then I started helping people reimagine what's possible for them. For their life. For their life. So, um, Do you I feel lo- like that was the first time you were in like the capacity of a coach? Or, no. Or was, that, was it something earlier in your life? Yeah, so I, I grew up in a very strong faith-based environment. And I actually served as a, a counselor for people that were in crisis for 13 years. Um, so I was not new to the idea of helping people, but mm. I'd never done it professionally. I'd never been given money to help people navigate challenges, you know, to help them uh, with their personal and professional growth. And I had been a consultant, a business consultant, for about eight years mm-hmm. with branding and stuff. So, so, you don't, so you don't view that as like a similar... Oh, I do. ...kind of... Yeah, okay. Oh, I totally do. Okay, so that's... Yeah, so I didn't feel like coaching was totally new and weird. Because mm-hmm. I know you were in the, uh, like in the window cleaning business mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And um, I found something on... I found something on Google where many... Like you were announcing that you were done. Like yeah. you were leaving and yeah. you're going to go full-time into market in the marketing space. And from what it looked like, the way that you wrote the email is very much like, here's some things to really transform your business. Like you're like step into possibility. (laughs) And then the way people responded, it seemed like they had like a very warm relationship with you and have gotten a ton of value from you over, I don't know how many years you're a part of that network. um, For 10. For 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it seems like, I mean... Maybe you didn't call it coaching or yeah. even consulting at the time, but it's like there, there's something about you that mm-hmm. has that has uh, been able to kind of open up worlds mm-hmm. for people. It seems like that's kind of you to say it like that. Well, that's what I noticed when I was reading through the the thread. Mm. Oh, you even went back the thread. Oh, I went dude. The, the thread. The thread is huge, my friend. That's funny. And a lot like of people were 10, very thankful. It's from eight years ago, right? It was 2011. So seven years ago. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. The internet. Never goes away. What's it been like? So, um, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I mean, in terms of just like the the reinventions that you've made, mm-hmm. like window cleaning business, and then marketing, and then now coaching. Yeah. Like, is there like a way that you kind of kind of look at the world and yourself when going through those types of transitions? And I know um, mm-hmm. for sure, like you know, separating from your wife of seventeen years, like that requires a whole reinvention, like. Who am I on my own? Like, that must be a whole other kind of question to be faced with. I think I'm fortunate that I've always believed that we are fluid creatures capable of massive transformation when we decide that we're ready to do that, to make the commitment. Mm. Yeah. And I also learned a long time ago that um, the stories we tell ourselves can completely change the way we show up in the world. I think I, yeah, I mean, I, I started my own business from scratch in the window cleaning world. But I don't know what I was doing. I, know. <laughs> I had no cli- I had no clients and I had no leads and I had no prospects. No business experience before that? No. Well, no, I did have business experience. Okay. I was running a business, a franchise for four years. Okay, okay. But I had, but the, the way it worked is that the day I quit, I could start building my own. I couldn't do like build my own on the side. So it was a leap. You talk about possibility. That was a leap. And I just had to believe that I wasn't crazy and that I could make something from nothing 
And I did. I made something from nothing. And then somebody bought the thing that I made something from nothing. And then other people asking me for advice on how I made something from nothing. And then mm-hmm. the agency happened. And then everything else just kind of followed, you know. But I've always believed that, like, you are capable of almost unlimited growth in almost any direction. I don't think you could be a Toronto Raptor. I don't think I could either. <laughs> there's some this genetics point, at play. There's a little, an age, of- <laughs> a little bit of age and genetics. But aside from that, aside from Raptordom, you know, uh, pretty much anything's wide open. It's just, are you willing to put in the work and are you willing to reimagine what's possible for you? Like I read today, Think and Grow Rich. Have you read Think and I've Grow Rich? I've read it multiple times. Yeah. That's a destroyed copy. Yeah. Yeah. That's I have a couple of Beautifully books. Destroyed. I have a specific like rack of books where Amazing. these are reread and torn apart. But um It's Abraham Lincoln, forty yeah. something before he did anything that anybody remembers. You know, Henry Ford, failure, 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 failure. Oh after forties. Edison, ten thousand failures. He's just an idiot. KFC was well, he was like sixty seven when he started the colonel. Yeah. So I mean Yeah. You just have to believe. But I guess the first one huge lesson I learned early is that the first sale has to be to yourself. Huh. Explain. You have to believe in yourself before anybody else will. Love that. Start with you. If you don't believe you're capable of delivering value, then nobody else will believe you're capable. Because it'll come through in the way you talk, in your body language. I agree with that. In your language. Yeah. Language, language. And so you went into the training, like you got, you went, you, you did the, what was it? Certification like process. Like a yeah. couple of days, the yeah, first week, little workshop. Week long, yeah. And then you Oh, did... I see. Yeah, yeah. So just an event, four-day event. And I went back, week-long certification with Brendan, personally. And then I launched and what was that? What was that like? So like, because I, was there um, an aspect where you're kind of looking deep at your own stuff, as well as being trained on the tools and the strategies? Like, did you have to, were you forced to transform your own self within the training? I, I've never done it before, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you find out things about yourself in the, in the process? So the way it works, Brendan has developed this 12-session curriculum that uh, is very intentional and moves you from A to B. And part of the certification process is that you have to both coach and be coached on each session of the curriculum. Mm. So he does fast track it a little bit, but you actually are in like real serious. Uh, I guess you want to, I don't, I don't even want to call it a simulation. You actually are doing the, like the you're session. getting coached. You're getting coached. So like if you and I were being trained side by side, maybe this time you're coaching me. And maybe we're going to talk about, you know, psychology mastery. So I'm going to ask you difficult questions that actually um, blindside you. I'm going to ask you to be open and raw with me. And then I'm going to give you tools to move forward. And vice versa. So you actually do experience in real time the power of coaching. Mm. And I also at that time retained my first coach. Um, so I, I, and I, I met with her every week by phone. And she's incredible. She and her husband are in Chicago, and her and her husband own actually the most award-winning pizza chain in Chicago, like 50 locations. Awesome. She's a grandmother, but she's, I shouldn't say but, and she's full of life. Yeah. I mean, she she threw out the opening pitch at a Cubs game last September, and she's just, so she was my coach for like four or five months. So every week I felt the power 
to be on like the other end yes. of the session. And it's funny because I knew the curriculum and I knew I knew mm. this week we're going to talk about influence or persuasion. I knew what she was going to ask me and it still blindsided me. I was like, Duh. even though you know the what, like you know uh, what's what's coming, mm-hmm. getting coached from that side from from the side of being the client, you were still impacted like even deeper. Yeah. Which is weird. Powerful. Yeah, like it's bizarrely powerful. So I became a deep, 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 deep in the the process. process. And the power power of coaching. coaching. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one more, may I add one more pivotal point? Absolutely. Yeah, so about three months ago, um, I took it one layer deeper and I actually invested in my own coach. And three months ago is when I had finally off-ramped all of my other clients. Like the agency was gone, the clients were gone. You just wrap it up? Wrapped it up. I said, okay, I'm transitioning. No fear? Was there fear? Was there, yeah, were, fear. Pe- were there people around you saying, like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? I didn't tell many people. Okay. Yeah, if you tell people, they will be scared for you. And that's usually their own insecurity speaking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's noble and sometimes it's genuine. It's because they worry for you, but usually it's because you're calling into question their own worldview. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't tell many. Yeah, but I was afraid. You know how it is, right? Courage, bold action uh, must occur in the face of fear, despite the fear. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And I was, this, I was determined things were going to change. I so you started to let go... Offboard them. Well, I let go. Yeah. yeah. But three months ago, they were gone. The revenue was gone. It was gone. The business was gone. And I had no clients. <laughs> I had no clients. And around that time, I decided, okay, I'm going to invest in coaching. Because the, the person who was my coach up until that point in Chicago, as amazing as she was, she was helping me out of the kindness of her heart. Mm. And I was not putting any like part of the pro- was that part of the training part of the no, program? No, it was she just because we connected. Okay, and we liked each other, and I respected her, and I ended up coaching her a little bit. She coached me a lot, and um, but I had not put a penny in harm's way. Huh. and I did show up differently with her. Like I had mixed results. And three months ago, I actually put my own hard-earned money. Maybe four months ago, actually, I have to look at the calendar. I actually hired my first coach, like with real money, even though I had almost no income, pretty much no income. Like it stopped. And I was like, okay. And I paid the coach more than I was comfortable paying, which is what we ask our clients to do. Mm-hmm. Especially if they've never hired a coach. We're like, here's what it costs. And they're like, I've never spent $5 on coaching. And you want me to spend how much? You know, we're like... But it's hard to say that if you've never spent a penny. Was there any resistance throughout resistance. that? But what okay. I discovered is that the guy who I ended up hiring as a coach, and he's incredibly powerful, he, he demonstrated um, prowess in coaching by working me through that. Working with, working with you on through the, the fear, actual... Through the fear. That's a powerful coach to me. On the enrollment call, where he basically was convincing me to separate from my money to hire him. That's where he demonstrated the prowess of the coaching. So and he I, actually like coached you on the very thing that was getting in the way of moving forward with the actual coaching. 
like actually demonstrating what the power of the relationship would be as well. And I actually learned something very important from him, and that is you don't coach somebody on the tactical or strategic side of their particular problems until they've made a commitment and investment in their own movement forward. Mm-hmm. You actually can hurt them. And that's a little bit different from the way I was trained, and a little bit different from how I was certified. Huh. So since, is, he, is he the same certification? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he has 15 years as a coach, and he's created incredible results. It's very expensive to work with him. And uh, it worked with me. And I was like, okay. So he has coached me on that. And actually, what's funny is that immediately I changed my approach. And that's when it immediately I started to get clients. What, what, what would you say is some of the maybe one or two biggest insights that you've gained from going through that process? Or I guess you're still, you're still in it. As a coachee? Yeah, as the, as the client. Being the one to, to mm-hmm. invest and have yeah. skin in the game and be called out and mm-hmm. be asked the, un- the uncomfortable questions. So all that stuff. And one huge insight is that usually when there's something holding us back in a really pivotal part of our life, then that thing is endemic across multiple verticals of our life. Which Explain. You- So if, there's, if there is, let's say, a lack of integrity in a part of your life, if you're not showing up in the world in a way that you're proud of, and we were to create awareness around and go, okay, well, this is true, actually. You're, you know, you're not, all right, so you're not proud of how you're showing up. If someone was to ask you, uh, I have a question, a very direct question, is that showing up anywhere else in your life, mm. that lack of integrity? <laughs> I love it because the answer is usually yes. yes yes it is and when he said that uh, to me I was like oh my goodness this problem is bigger than I realized ah yeah so that's that's what I that's so that's been huge insight for me people aren't aware of the depth of their pain or the size of what they want until we give them space to explore both of those things Amazing. Yeah. And then they're, then, you know, then it's just about them taking courageous action moving forward. Letting the small part of them move over and let the larger part of them take the wheel. Mm-hmm. And, and what's been your experience as the coach? Mm-hmm. Like, so you're a couple of months in uh, with, with like just full time since your business is all wrapped up now. Yeah. Like, what's the experience been like for you? Let me tell you a quick. One quick story to answer that. Um, yes. One of my first clients, I asked him to make the investment in coaching, and he said, okay. And uh, the next week, we met for our first session, and the first thing he said is, I can't believe I agreed to pay you this much money for something I don't even understand yet. <laughs> and, I was, and I laughed. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. So here's what's going to happen. So he had uh, never made an investment in something like this, of this size before. And last week during our session, and that was our sixth session last week, he, um, at the end of our session, we were walking outside and he said, um, what would it look like for you to coach my entire team of 25 people for the next six months? Wow. And this, I mean, this morning, 
And this morning we had a session. He sent me a text message after saying, I could never do this without you. You know, I appreciate you so much. So, I mean, that is a pretty amazing result. So take somebody who's really doubting whether or not they were crazy to spend the money. And within six weeks, they're like, hey, can I give you like a lot more money to bring my entire team through this process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's such a big deal, man. It is, yeah. Do you own it? Like, do, can you feel... I do. I feel like, powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel powerful. What do you say... What would you say to somebody, I guess a potential client, who has issues around being able to ask for that much money to make uh, to make that type of request of an investment in, in their own services? Like outside of coaching? Like no matter what it is? Just Yeah, just in general. Because I mean, a lot of people who are listening are... Um, maybe early stage entrepreneurs or they're service based and you know part of the conversation is like I want to earn more money I want to get what I'm worth and yeah like this kind of story of just like you know making that kind of an impact and having somebody you know getting to the point where someone's so uncomfortable with the type of money they just let go of and then you know just just having the kind of the courage to be able to go and do that. I would love to know, like, what would you suggest or what would you... The courage to charge? Share, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, with people who want to do that. So I would say, number one, you better be drinking your own Kool-Aid. Mm. You better believe in what you're selling. And you better be making an investment in your services that you're selling with someone else. And how many coaches do you and I know, Oliver, that have never spent a penny on coaching? I've had many of my, I've had a couple of clients actually who are coaches and have never had a coach until they hired me, and it made a huge, huge, huge difference because just like um, you're asking people to make an investment in this this service, in this level of support and guidance, and yet and you're not doing it yourself. Like, how do you? Lack of congruence, right? No alignment. That happened to me the first time. Exactly. <clears throat> Me too. Like the first time I did it, I'm just like, oh my, like this is a next level now. It unlocks the next level. Yeah. That's right. So it's funny. uh, About two months ago, I reached out to my coach. I'm like, hey, dude, I have a question. Do you have a a coach? Mm. He said, I have three coaches. I was like, okay. I said, how often do you talk to them? He's like, well, I talk to one of them every couple weeks and the other ones I talk to every week. I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, as, as you go up, everybody has... You know, everybody who's powerful and growing has coaches themselves. Yeah. Wow. Huge. Did you think you'd be, like, here? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, no. And now I'm starting to, like, you talk about possibility. I definitely do envision myself stepping into larger and larger possibilities, yeah, even by the end of this year. I see it. I believe it. So you have a lot of, I mean, uh, with the with your business experience, with your marketing experience. How tell us how much of that has been playing a role into how you market yourself and sell yourself as a coach? A lot, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last book that I wrote a couple a few years ago was called "The Whale Vomit Method," as you mentioned. So it was all about. Um, so the whole premise of that book is that. Uh, there is a three-step methodology to charging the highest possible price for any product or service. 
with a clear conscience and in a way that your customers still love you. I love that, I love that you always hammer in the clear conscience part. Like charge a lot of money with a clear conscience. And like they, you can sleep at night kind of thing. And your customers still love you. Yeah. Those are very important. Yeah. So it's not like pillaging the market. It's not exploiting. Those so are the conditions. Those are the conditions because you will, you will hate yourself. You will feel like garbage and people will hate you. Can you share what the the, the whale vomit methodology and like where it originates? Oh, because I love awesome. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah. So the the short version is that sperm whale vomit is among the most highly prized organic substances on the planet, and it and it is created by the sperm whale, which itself is like the second biggest creature on the planet. When the sperm whale eats a giant squid, and um, the sperm whale is like 60 feet long, and giant squid are like 30 feet long, and the sperm whale eats them. And the only problem with eating huge giant squid is that the giant squid themselves have these razor-sharp beaks and hooks on their tentacles, talons, that they grab fish and prey with to feed themselves. So when the sperm whale is slurping down this giant squid, it's almost like you and I eating a bowl of jello with razor blades in it. So you can actually, like, the, the giant oh. squid can disembowel the sperm whale from the inside uh -huh. out. So to combat that, the sperm whale alone has this weird digestive mechanism that whenever it detects something sharp, an anomaly, it will coat it with goo and barf it into the ocean. And this liberated piece of whale vomit will float, and it's between the size of like a grapefruit and a soccer ball, it will float on the ocean's waves, the salt water for weeks and months and years, and the salt water will change its chemical composition. Mm. And it will begin to acquire the properties of a fixative. Do you happen to know? What's a fixative? Well, let me ask you, do you know what industry uses fixatives? I know because I've heard you talk about it. Okay, so so a fixative, yeah, is used by the perfumery industry to stabilize volatile compounds. So, I mean, the primary ingredient of perfume or cologne is alcohol. And the only reason alcohol doesn't evaporate is because a fixative's been mixed in to stabilize it and lock it in. So mm. when you spend like 300 bucks on a little bottle of, you know, cologne, it can be there for five years and it will still make you smell amazing. Mm -hmm. It's a fixative. And for over a century, sperm whale vomit has been the world's most powerful, effective fixative. I don't know who discovered it. I don't know who decided to mix it with alcohol. Wow. I'd be like, maybe this will make it smell better longer. But it, they've discovered it, and it's still... So even today, like the highest, ex most expensive stuff from Givenchy or Gucci or Christian Dior has sperm whale vomit in it. So <laughs> um, because... It is highly valuable to a very specific market, which is the perfumery industry. And it's different from all other similar options in that it is uh, the most effective. And it's also incredibly difficult to get your hands on, as you can imagine. Mm. It is, as a result of those three things, uh, very, 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 very expensive. And so sperm whale vomit, or ambergris is the technical term, sells on the open market for six to 9000 bucks a pound. So if you Google... That is the you, best. Like, wherever that, that, that came from... It's weird. That story... Super weird. 
So if you, yeah, if you guys Google, just Google sperm whale vomit, which is a weird thing to Google, but uh, you'll find a story of like 10, 11 year old kids walking their dog on the beach and they'll find like some chunk of whale vomit, which is from a sperm whale. And they'll sell it for a hundred thousand bucks. So the book is about how to turn you into whale vomit. Yes. By being uh, highly valuable to the people you want to serve. Absolutely unique from all other options and rare. So manufacturing and tapping the power of scarcity. And that combination gives you the highest possible price with a clear conscience. Hmm. So, I mean, why does it cost a million bucks a year to work with Tony or with Brendan? Yes. Well, because there's only one Tony and there's one Brendan. Are they different? Yeah. You know, they're the most powerful coaches on the planet. And they're highly valuable to the people that they serve. So you and I can be the same. We can become whale vomit. Highly valuable, different, and rare. I would love how you use that for your coaching. Yeah. So And for this book. Yeah. So um, with being different... <laughs> there's the title again. Yeah, so uh, with being different, in the English language, there are actually three words that unlock differentiation. Did, I don't know, you said you watched some, did you happen to notice what those three words were in your research? Uh, no, no. No, okay. So the words are most, only, and est. And when I say est, I'm actually talking about the suffix that goes at the end of a word. Yeah. So, um, if I, you live in Oakville, if mm -hmm. I'm traveling out to Oakville, I might say, Oliver, where is the, where is the most delicious most. burger in Oakville? I don't say, Oliver, where can I grab a burger in Oakville? I don't care. I want to know where's the most delicious burger. Or I might say, where is I'd say the... say be good. <laughs> be good is the answer? Be good. Be good burgers? I would say that. Okay, cool. Thanks for the Everything's tip. Everything's locally sourced. And... Thanks for the tip. Thanks okay, the so tip. most? Most only arrest. So my book, for example, Unlock Your Next Level. Do you see what the tagline is for the book? The book is about the strangest, weirdest, workingest way to tap your hidden potential. So that's what makes this book different. This book is about the strangest, strangest, weirdest, weirdest, workingest way to tap your hidden potential. And uh, do you mind if I just give you the one sentence version of this book? Sure. Like, what is the strangest, weirdest, workingest way? Here it is. And it's actually here on page four, the one-sentence version of this book. I'll read the sentence. It says, The secret to bringing your next dream to life is to become an upset, neophyte looker, and then an oafish killer. Can you explain to us? No, I cannot! That, that is a secret! <laughs> that is what the book is about. So, the yeah, the secret to you unlocking your potential is to do that, to become an upset, neophyte, looker, and then an oafish killer. Do you why, want... Why upset? So the upset step, does that, so those are five steps. Upset, neophyte, looker, oafish killer. Upset is being sick of your own nonsense. Mm. Yeah. Because until you reach that point, you will not take bold, courageous action in a new direction. That goes back to what you were saying about most people aren't in tune with how much pain they're actually in. They're actually in. Right. Mm. They're pretending they're not. 
or they're not in that much pain. <clears throat> like some people actually have life kind of dialed in right now, yeah. which is cool. And if you're there, amazing. I applaud you. Like keep going. Protect that. But if you have a dream or a goal that you've been punting down the field, you're like next year, next year, next year. Or if you're in a situation like I was in where you have a change that has to be made that you've been pretending doesn't have to be made. You got to you got to be sick of your own nonsense to what, actually move what's forward. What's a question that we can ask ourselves to get upset? Hmm. With our own nonsense. How will I feel if 3 months from now nothing changes? <laughs> and I guess you could fill in like 6 months or a year and you could say 3 years, yeah. Yeah. But bring it back like how about 3 weeks from now? Love it. Like, I mean, the more and the more sick you are, you can't even stand the fact of like one more week or one more day of this garbage from yourself. You know, like you, the pain of change has to get to a point where that the pain of change is actually less than the pain of status quo. Mm -hmm. So you're saying get in touch with that by looking at what if nothing changes? Yeah, and just evaluate it honestly. Yeah. And if the answer is, I'd be delighted, I would be so happy, be good. then you win. Keep going. <laughs> you win. You know, like, if you're like, I love my life, I love my family, and I love the way I'm showing up in the world, and I love the trajectory I'm on, and, you know, uh, I'm living into my intentions, and the gap between who I say I want to be and how I'm showing up in the world is really small and getting smaller all the time. Amazing. What's neophyte? So I, I think the first time I ever heard that word is in the book? because of you. Yeah. Sweet. So a neophyte is a beginner. So for you to be able to move forward, you have to see yourself as a beginner. Kind mm. of go back to the drawing board. Like white belt mentality. White belt. Like always be like, okay, I'm just starting. Yeah. Start from zero. I'm a white belt. Start from zero. How do we apply that? Is there a question? Is there like a mentality or a mindset? Yeah, I mean like... Get the book, by the way. But <laughs> I know, you want me to you tell all the secrets of the book, Oliver. Um, yeah, like I mean, see yourself as a beginner. See yourself as... I use this metaphor, see yourself as Play-Doh. Hmm... You know, like uh, Michelangelo, Michelangelo made this thing, this statue of David. I saw it last year. How tall is that thing? And brother, man, like, I'm like, I've seen what it looks like and I'm not a statue person. Um, I walked into that hallway and I got the most serious, like, wave of energy. And I'm just looking at it and I'm just like, how the hell? I'm getting goosebumps just right now. And I'm like, how is it that this thing drew us in we were sitting there for like an hour and a half just looking at just it just looking at it I'm like I couldn't even believe how graceful how beautiful something could be how tall is it I don't know exactly how tall it is 17 feet tall wow and what's it made of marble marble so sometimes we look at ourselves and we're like oh that's we're like that we look at ourselves and we think we're made of marble when actually we're made of Play-Doh. <laughs> right. So Michelangelo, I use this little, there's a little blurb in the book. I say, you know, Michelangelo's... Oh, it's full. Oh, Michelangelo's uh, David was made of 
marble of Michelangelo was made of Play-Doh. You know, soft, willowy, bendable Play-Doh. Sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. We say, well, someone like me, from some place where I'm from, from a family like mine, should be X. And we let other people limit what um, we see as possible for ourselves. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Looker. So looker is simply creating some visibility around the difference between how we say we want to show up in the world and how we're actually showing up in the world. And the, the problem we make, the mistake we make is we don't, we just, we know there's a gap, but we don't actually measure the gap. So yeah, I want to be more kind, but what does that look like? And how kind am I being today? Like, how do you measure it? Like, how do you... Right, exactly. How do you know you're more kind now? Or how do you know you could be more kind? Mm. Yeah, so there's tools that you can develop to create that awareness, right? Um... And the, the goal is to continually just create awareness and visibility around that gap. Mm-hmm. Because then we, can, then we can make a decision. We can say, well, I don't actually care that much about kindness. I've discovered. Or, no, because we might, right? We might be like, you know what? I'm more interested in being bold or courageous yes. or focused. But then we create visibility around that gap. Yeah, but we can't. We just we befriend the mirror. And we use the mirror as an asset. As an mm. ally, instead of like something to hide from. Wow. So that's step number three. Oh, fish. <laughs> I can't believe you're making me <laughs> share everything in the book. They're so, gonna, they're gonna, they're, to go deeper, you're going to have to get, <laughs> get the, the book. book. <laughs> but this gives them a little taste, right? Like a yeah, little yeah, taste yeah. of the Sunday is it's not true. the same as true. I'm just the kidding. whole Sunday. It's true. It's true. Um, so an oaf is like a clumsy, bumbling idiot. <laughs> like a buffoon yeah. is an elf. So, um, so, I mean, the truth is for you or for me or anybody listening to this, uh, for them to move in a new direction is going to demand that they look, they be willing to look foolish. Mm. Because you have, there's no shortcut to developing mastery in a new direction without going through the land of looking really dumb. And that's why, like... What's really cool about just you and this conversation, like you're really just completely transparent about um, this is his, this is the process. This like mm-hmm. this is what it's been like, mm-hmm. like getting my first coach and then actually finally paying for my first coach and then like getting hired and like what that's been like. Like you're actually like, hey, this is this is me living mm-hmm. this. And let me give you one more example. Behind you is a keyboard. I have zero. Mm. I have always wanted to learn how to play uh, the keyboard i have i have zero talent oliver when it comes to music zero oh with okay with music okay yeah like what do i have maybe i have talent with baseball maybe with baseball but not with music like zero but i've always wanted to learn how to play the piano so last year i went on kijiji and i got that piano which is like you know a classified site here in canada Mm-hmm. And or that keyboard, and um, I got three music lessons that I I hated, and I fired my teacher because it was like now push all the th- the third black key, and I'd be like ding ding ding. Okay, I hate this is stupid. I don't want. I don't care. I don't care about the keys. I don't care about learning the notes. 
I just want to play this one song from the movie Amelie. It's called, it's called like Comptine d'un autre été or something like that. It's this beautiful like three minute. Oh, I don't you know if you, you know have this, to play it. You know this later. song? Yeah, I think you'll have to play it later. So I'm terrible. Like I'm lear- I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I took three lessons and then I, I, I was like, no, I can't do any more lessons. So I like, and I never practiced until about eight months ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to. I got to keep going on this because I mm. want to play this song and I would listen to it as I did the, as I went to the gym and did the elliptical every day. And I would actually, with my hands, I would do this thing with my hands where as I listen to the notes, I would pretend like vision. I would pretend, I'd even move my hands. I'd be like, I pretend like I'm playing, even though I have no idea where my fingers are going. I'd be like, and people would look at me weird as I'm on the elliptical. Like, <laughs> I think that guy's having a seizure or something, but I was just, and I just, and I found a YouTube tutorial that was in four parts that broke down the song. Wicked. And was like, okay, here's part one. Push this key, and then that key, and then that key, and then that key. And it's hard to learn. And um, now I can play the song almost seamlessly. Three minutes long, and it sounds pretty good. Love and I will it. play it for you after pasta tonight. Yeah, please. And I can't read music, but I just love it. But the point is, um, I it was a disaster for months. Yeah. You have to be willing to sound bad. You sound ridiculous. You look, you like, look like oh. the biggest idiot because you're learning. And that's the nature of learning. And a lot of people aren't willing to look. Look offish. Yeah. Exactly. So one small so example. So what's cool about this book, there's a couple things. The coolest thing I haven't told you about yet. But the second coolest thing is that it's a workbook. So like in this book, under the part on offish, I actually make the reader. I say, pull out a pen. And I'll write your name on this line. I'm like, cool, you know, Oliver. And then the next sentence says, cool, good job. You know how to sign your name. Now write it with your other hand. Mm. And what's cool about that is that it is impossible to crush writing your own name with your wrong hand. Like nobody looks cool doing that because mm-hmm. they're like, and it's funny because I'll do that like here. Non-dominant hand. Non-dominant hand. And I'll do that here. And we. this is a part of the city where people try to look cool. So I'll make, and I've walked up to random strangers and made them do it. And they're like in their nice shirts and their nice outfits and they're like styled and they're like suave. And I'll make them do it. And they're like, "Uh, uh." (laughs) and they like look and they laugh because they realize, oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. And they usually say, this is terrible. And I'm like, you're doing amazing. Keep going. And there's a few, and there's a couple more things. I won't say what they are, but just to kind of get used to this idea that it's okay. Like that's. That's how you learn to hit a 94-mile-per-hour fastball. You swing and you miss thousands mm-hmm. of times. That's how you learn to play an incredible piece of music. You try and try and try and try and try and try and try. And you get feedback and you mm-hmm. keep practicing. And you keep at it. That's how you build a window cleaning company. That's how you launch an agency. That's how you start We're a coaching business. To do that. Yeah. You have to be willing to look foolish. Yes. And for people to whisper behind your back and be like, I think all. Somebody should probably tell him he looks ridiculous right now. And then later they'll say, oh, I always knew he was succeeding. <laughs> I always knew he'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's the oafish part. Killer. Yeah. So that's the last step. You have to that's slaughter. It. Yeah. Slaughter fear. Hmm. Fear of greatness. Fear of failure. Self-sabotage, slaughter it. What was the the most fundamental thing that you had to slaughter recently? 
Fear of rejection. Stepping up and saying, I can help you. And here's what it would look like and here's what it would cost. Because if you never have the courage to say that, you will never help anybody. What was the process like? Like, did it, did it take a long time for you to get to that point? To kill all that? Yeah, and it's a work in progress. Like and it's, it's like over and over. Like yeah. You have to like kill it every day. It's like a dragon that you got to slay all the time. There's this little blurb in my book I say to kill the monsters in the forest. We have to first make firm the monster in our heart. Mm. Could you explain? Can you elaborate? Yeah, like you have to be stronger than your fears. You have to be bigger and stronger. And the truth is, we know we're powerful. We know we are. Mm. Because we can think of moments where we didn't know how things would turn out and we still showed up. And we put our neck on the line and we tried and we won. There's times we failed. But remember the times you won. Like there's times we were little and we're, we're trying to walk but we fell flat on our face and smashed our face on the floor and cried our face off. There's times where we spilt milk but it didn't stop us from pouring milk. Mm-hmm. We can pour milk pretty good now. You know, without spilling. But it is a constant work in progress. I, there's actually one really powerful metaphor I heard and it's funny because I see whispers of it in Think and Grow Rich. But this meta, maybe you can tell me if you've heard this. Uh, that the mind is like a garden. If you plant flowers, you get flowers. If you plant weeds, you get weeds. And if you plant nothing, you get... Nothing. No, you get weeds. You get weeds. <laughs> <laughs> right? You plant nothing in a garden, weeds will show up. Oh. You know, so if we don't and take... It's, like, it's what you water. Like, it's... Right, but if we do yeah. nothing, then the negativity creeps in. The, the weeds are And the like sabotage default. creeps. The, exactly. Gotcha. So the default position for humans is sabotage and fear and weeds. Unless we're constantly weeding and we're constantly planting seeds of belief. Hmm. Yeah, taking control of our psychology. What would you say is, like, who would you say this book is for primarily, like in your eyes? Anybody who is ready to chase a dream or a goal or who's, again, I'll use the phrasing again, tired of their own nonsense and ready to make a change that's way overdue. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. Dude, I am, <clears throat> I'm blown away. I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of it and actually get to read it. It will happen soon. What are you excited about right now? The launch? The Yeah, so I'm throwing a book launch party in seven days. Um, I've never thrown a book launch party before. And you've had several books in the past. I've had a few books, yeah. So this is the first time I'm throwing a party in tandem with the launch. And um, can I actually tell you what's the most exciting thing about this book? Sure. So like I, the number one coolest thing. The number one coolest thing. It's probably the second coolest thing. So I got some great advice a couple of years ago. And that was that you should always write a book for yourself. Hmm. So don't, don't look too far in the book because I'm going to show you in a second what makes it amazing. You haven't seen it yet, I don't think. But um, yeah, write a book for yourself that you wish that you need to read right now. 
and I wrote this book because I needed to read this book. And, um, but then he said, you like read the book you would love to read. And I thought, well, what kind of book would I love to read? And I thought of when I was a kid and I read Choose Your Own Adventure books. Did you ever read those books? Yes. Did you enjoy them? I love those. I love those. I have a question for you. Have you ever seen a nonfiction book written in that style? No. Like, if you want to go here, go to page. So, although, like, choose your own adventure is a copyrighted term. Yeah, okay. But that format, I've actually written the very, the world's first nonfiction book in that format. So, the back of the book says, you know, if you're ready to fight for your next dream, this book will show you how. If you're sick of your own nonsense, open this book and read page one. Look at page one. This book is not a book. It's a quest to a land of hidden treasures, breathtaking wonders, and limitless power, and you are the hero of the story. The strange format you see here on the opening page was developed to embed one powerful belief. You can become something new. You just need a small nudge from someone who A, knows the way, and B, cares. Shall we begin? Like every journey, unlocking your next level of potential begins with a single step. No one can take the step for you. I love that. And the bottom. But see the says, bottom. What's it say? If you're ready to find out what you're capable of, turn to page forty-four. If you're not ready, put this book down. It's not for you. <laughs> so page one immediately says either put the book down or go to page forty-four. And so every person I've given the book to does exactly what you're doing right now. They flip. They go to forty-four instead of the next page. Instead of the next page. Instead of the next page. Excellent. Let's do this. So here's the deal I propose. I promise to share with you everything I know about unleashing your peak potential and promise to take you by the hand every step of the way if you promise to bring your most courageous self to the table. Yeah. No excuses, <laughs> no whining, no scapegoats. That's beautiful. And see the bottom and the bottom of that page says... If this sounds fair, read the page on the right. If this doesn't sound fair, turn to page 22. Right? Dude! Isn't that fun? <laughs> how Try. did you... How? <laughs> so I've written the first, the world's first nonfiction book in that format. How did you think that up? Like, how did I you... thought, what would I love to see? And Does I was... it read in order and like that? No, you, it only <laughs> reads like that. So the, the, it's not, it's not linear. No, the whole book is not linear. No, the book is like, what do you? If this is a problem for you, turn there. If it's not, turn there. Well, I love that because it's like. Every moment, there's a choice to make. Like, you're kind of getting somebody to keep enrolling themselves into their own possibility. Like, their own, their own po- potential. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, are you a yes? Then go to this page. If, are you a no? Okay, then just, you, you got to put it down. Or go over here. Oh, yeah. Or go over... Yeah. That is freaking hilarious. That's pretty good, right? And if you look here on page two, page two and three, you can see a little visual representation of the reader's journey through the book with the different pivot points where like you move around. Oh my god. So this So is, this book is a journey. Like you, This book is a journey, yeah. And I made it I tried to make it engaging and fun and like interactive, but also sometimes annoying and provocative and difficult. On purpose, because mm-hmm. that's the path to growth. What was the biggest thing that you took away from going through the process of writing it? Is there something that you learned about yourself, your worldview? Hmm. In writing it, 
I think I learned the, the truthfulness of each of those five steps. And one tiny mm-hmm. example of that is that all those little illustrations I drew. In the whole book? And I'm not, yeah, so like even you can see them on the cover. On the In back. the whole book? Yeah, and I'm not an illustrator, or am I? I don't know. Like, I've never <laughs> saw myself as an illustrator, but I've made all these illustrations. So, I mean... That is brilliant. So, there's an example of, like, oafishness and beginner and neophyte and... Wow. It's powerful, man. <laughs> Appreciate the support. Well Appreciate done. the support. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, I want to... Close off with a couple of more questions. Sure. Hit me. Yeah. And because we've got some pasta to make. Yeah. <laughs> I would love and to. And a friend waiting. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Can't keep them waiting. I would love to know what would you say is the most fundamental thing that's missing that you have found when it comes to the whole space of, let's say, leadership or personal development. What do you think is missing in that space? That's not being maybe it's something that's not being talked about that needs to be talked about. Something that needs to be addressed. Great question. Let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. So there is one huge thing that is in the book. Uh, there's a strong percentage of the population that believes you should be playing to your strengths Hmm. that you should double down on where you're naturally talented and you should focus on those areas Uh, and that is nonsense and that's damaging people in my opinion so I think that is a huge area that needs to um, be said with a louder voice brought to people's attention it's very tempting to say oh play to your strengths follow your heart not follow your heart uh like do what's naturally what's easier easier for us or of course we want to do that but if i felt that way i would never learn to play the piano because mm-hmm. that, that's not your strength it's not my strength it's not my talent sorry. or even drawing or drawing like i, I have no business doing that you know but i would miss out on the joy that that brings me yeah maybe i'll never be mozart i don't need to be mozart that's not neophyte that's not oafish to only double down. Right. And it's like this depriving me. Like there's something about playing. You know this as a musician. Like I've never experienced that until this year. There's some weird ethereal experience that is associated with creating music. Mm-hmm. And I'm just playing what some other guy composed. But yeah. But there's still. Yeah, and Tiersen. But I mean, I, I love it. Like, and it does something for me I can't get from anything else. There's a, there's a, there's a pleasure. There's a joy from it. And, I, and uh, at the strengths based coach had me in their sights or sat me down they'd be like oh kevin don't do that nah you know play that's not your strength like that's not your talent like don't wait don't spend so much time and energy on what's not a natural talent because you'll never get it to a point that's going to matter wrong wrong so that's my answer wow the quick answer to your question yeah what is the biggest mistake that you see people making when it comes to High performance, personal development. Consistency. They're not consistent enough? Not consistent. I can relate with that. There's a condo being built across the the street from where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed, Oliver, the size of the receptacle that um, 
carries the concrete up to the top of the condo to pour the next section of the condo? No. I it's a little, like it's a little attention. It's a little bucket. So when they put the bucket on the ground and the dump truck and the cement truck pour fills the bucket and the crane lifts the bucket way over the top of the condo and dumps it into the form and all the way back down. One tiny little bucket of concrete at a time. Yeah, it's like Every, laying bricks. It's like just like laying bricks at a time. Every huge, impressive, incredible architectural achievement has been one little bucket of concrete at a time. Love it. It's a tortoise in the hare. You know, consistency is the superpower of the tortoise. So, love the tortoise. What is something that you believe that other people think is crazy? I believe I can bench press 400 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm working towards as a goal. Wow. Yeah, working towards right now. Not too far off. Really? Yeah. That's beast mode. Thank you. Amazing. I'm not that big of a guy, so it's kind of audacious for me. Um... I believe I can play concert level music without being able to read music. Hmm. I think that's possible. I yeah, can't. So, I can't read music, but I play guitar and I write songs. Do you play it well? I think I play okay. Hmm. Yeah. You answered a different question. You said play okay. I said, well, play I play. Well? I play guitar okay. I'm more of a singer. Like I'm okay. more of yeah. Got it. That's why. That's more of my instrument. I think that I could um, maybe impact a million people with this book. Might be crazy. I'd say so. The crazy part? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy and possible. We'll see. We'll see. see. What would you say are three very important action items you can suggest for people who are listening to this conversation buy this book number one number two uh start telling yourself a different story Mm. about what's possible for you and number three start being intentional and purposeful about the way you show up in the world start happening to the world Instead of letting the world happen to you, to use a Da Vinciism. Lastly, tell us where we can get our hands on the book, where we can find you and stalk you, yeah. and find out about all your work. Unlockyournextlevel.com. Unlockyournextlevel.com. Awesome. And social media? Yeah, just search it on there. You'll find some pages and groups and stuff okay. on there too. Yeah. Or Amazon. That's the title of the book, Unlock Your Next Level. Okay. And your your like your personal pages or your I just go there, it'll link to it. Or Kevin dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Awesome, man. What a pleasure. Thank you. That was a fun one. Good. Dude, you're you're I I have to acknowledge you just for actually living the principles that you teach. I appreciate that. Because it actually is something that is extremely rare. I, I get to speak with lots and lots of people. And one of the most challenging things is for people to actually do and live the things that they teach, whether they're on the stage mm. or they're not on the stage. Mm. 
and the fact that your books like not just this book but like your your past book even like seems to just permeate exactly just like the methodology that you're trying to teach and you're living it it's uh it's it's proof in itself hmm. in the power and also like the fact that you say you got to drink your own kool-aid like it's proof in itself that you truly believe like at your core that what you are doing and what you have to offer the world makes a difference and it makes an impact so i, I celebrate you and i acknowledge you for that thanks man. oliver appreciate that thanks for coming on my pleasure thanks for having me what a pleasure Hey guys, Oliver again. Before you take off, just wanted to give another huge thank you to Kevin Dabrowski. It was an incredible honor to have you on the show. Make sure to go get his book, Unlock Your Next Level on Amazon, and go check out about his coaching, workshops, and more at kevindabrowski.com. As always, you can find the links to anything mentioned on the show at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Huge shout out to Marlon Manalise for setting up the show notes and helping facilitate the release of each episode. If you're interested in my next workshop, Reinvention Roadmap is happening October 13th and 14th. Please go to reinventionroadmap.ca for tickets and info and make sure to use the code word BREAKTHROUGH to save 20% off admission. Please feel free to connect with me on Instagram. You can follow me at Oliver Manalise where I share a ton of posts about life, love, and leadership. Hit me up with a DM. Let me know if you have any feedback or suggestions about the show. Besides that, very honored to have you as a listener. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next time.